Okay, you gotta dive in. <laughs> you're gonna have to plow through this thing. Okay, I know, I know it's hard, but we're gonna have to. You know, it's gonna have to. Um. Welcome to season two of Missing Pieces. This is episode one, phone call with mom, part two, and I'm your host, Don Anderson. So if you haven't listened to Phone Call with Mom Part 1, do so now. This episode right here will make no sense unless you do that. So go to Season 1, Episode 11, Phone Call with Mom, listen to that, and then come back here. Before we start, I just want to say the song from the last episode of Season 1, the song Hey Dad by the great, amazing Corey Goodrich, is now available to purchase on iTunes. And if you could do me a favor, if you like the song, which I think most NPEs will, it's only 99 cents. If you could just buy that song. I spent over $500 making that song. I would love to make some of that back. If you could purchase the song, that would be great. Very helpful. And it's only 99 cents. And it's a great song. And other than purchasing, you can stream it everywhere you stream music. So look for it. Hey Dad by Corey Goodrich. Corey is C-O-R-Y, no E. So back to today's episode. I was hesitant to put this one out the rest of the raw conversation between Jeff Frame and his mom. And to be honest, it was because of his mom that I didn't want to put it out. Her crying in particular, it pushes a lot of buttons for me. When someone's crying and I feel like they're being manipulative with their tears, it just drives me crazy. Start at the beginning. Start. How'd you meet him? You were you were a waitress at truck stop or something, right? And I react, not in a good way. I feel like in this conversation, Jeff's mom is doing that, trying to manipulate him. And I know I'm being judgmental, <laughs> but you guys are probably used to that by now. So I feel like she was being manipulative, but... Um, what I've done is I've added out some of the pauses. There's long pauses where she's just crying, and I've edited that out um, for your sanity and mine. I just couldn't take it, <laughs> and I don't think it was sustainable for a good podcast episode. But why I did decide to publish this episode is so many people love Jeff. I mean, that episode of his was really popular, and he had a lot of balls to say the things he did to his mom. I mean, it was something else. It was... I think I've said it in the last episode that something that maybe we all wanted to say to our moms and haven't been able to for one reason or another. And the fact that he was so articulate and purposeful with the conversation with his mom, it was really good. So I've had a lot of people contact me about Jeff and um, two in particular, my therapist. (laughs) Yes, my therapist listens to my podcast. Hi, Gina. She emailed me and asked for Jeff's email so she could write him because she wanted to thank him for um, just being perfect with his reaction to his mom. She said it was the perfect reaction for an MPE and that he stated his purpose and held his ground so well. And then there's my friend who isn't an MPE at all, but listens to the podcast. She was in a place called Synanon for like 20 years and started playing the Synanon game as a teenager. If that doesn't make sense to you, please Google it. It's S-Y-N-A-N-O-N game. And basically, it was a form of in-your-face therapy um, that they actually made up and and later became something else. But in the beginning, it's what helped 
drug addicts um, fight some of their demons, that they could just be honest and say whatever they wanted without any threat of um, getting in trouble for it later or anything. It was kind of like group therapy. It's a very strange thing, <laughs> but it's an interesting topic. Anyway, tangent much. So she said, she wrote me an email, this woman that had spent 20 years playing the Synanon game. She said, I listened to this Jeff Frame episode, which is stunning. He was incredible, so clear and articulate with his honesty, so compelling, and his response to her equally level and profound, so impressed with him, wow, and so thought-provoking about the larger issues of secrets of any kind, of how conversations never happen about things that should happen. So I just felt with responses like that, I owed the audience episode to, I was going to put aside my reactions to her crying and put it out there for you guys. But this episode is different than the first one, so don't expect the repeat. This one, the mom does most of the talking and just kind of tells him what all transpired back then before he was born. And one thing I get out of listening to her truly is understanding. Um, I think it's helps us to understand what it was like to be a single mom back in those days and and being in that situation back in that era and lead her to make the decision she made. Uh, I think it's really important, but I'll let you be the judge of that. And here it is, season two, episode one, phone call with mom, part two. You were, you were a waitress at truck stop or something, right? Yeah. Okay. Start there. Let's go. Let's, let's, let's dive in. Let's do it. I was a waitress at the truck stop when I was still in high school. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was a. Uh, I worked with his sister in law who was a waitress. Oh, okay. And he uh, got a job there. Uh, I. Uh, he was you know, working on in the, uh, the service station side of the truck stop. Uh-huh. So he's from Missoula. Yeah. He's from that area. He was. Okay. I mean, that's not where they originally were from. Okay. And, and but um, we dated a few times, and uh, and. Then I did that, so we had to kind of sneak to date because Grandpa didn't want me dating him. Uh, and then we quit seeing each other because it just it got too hard. But I really cared deeply, and. Uh, You know, we lost track. Um, and then after uh, I went to business school, um, yeah, I worked at the University of Montana first. And then I got a job out at 
want her out at the pulp mill in the office. And I was working out at Bonner in the pulp mill in the office when I um, ran into him again. And um, he was home on leave. And um, and we spent his whole leave pretty much together. Um, his mother had just passed away and he was really vulnerable and we spent a lot of time together during that time and and um, he had to go back and he asked if I would come to Germany and I told him I would have to think about it and then um, as we you know, as we talked uh, after he was gone and things, he ended up asking me to marry him. While, come to Germany and marry him. Well, he was in Germany when he asked you to marry him and my phone yes. and correspondence or something. I, I, I'm trying, I, my... Yeah, that's fine. That's, I get the gist. My memory's not... No, no, I, I get it. I, I, I get, so he asked you to he asked you to come to Germany and marry him, basically. Right. But you were still, okay. And so I sold my car and uh, to get money for a plane ticket and got my passport and went. And everybody gave you a big send-off and... Grandma sent you with like a wedding yeah. a wedding dress she had made or something. So every everybody knew you were heading off to get married. Right. Okay. And um I got over there and found out it wasn't as easy to get married over there as as I'd been led to believe it would be and that it would take months um, of paperwork and different things to go through before sure. that could happen. And um, so um Got to know different friends, and but spent a good deal of time alone at the apartment. And you'd you'd moved in with him at this point, basically waiting to be able to get married. Yes. Okay. I have. They'd be gone, you know, several days at a time on training stuff and different things and, but anyway I thought things were going well um, I tried hard to 
you know, have homemade goodies and different things and all these things. um, But come to find out, um, 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 this is really hard. Why? Relationship was hard, or just the situation, or it didn't weren't as compatible as you thought, or. pregnant with me at that point. I didn't know oh. that he, at that he, point. We he, didn't know that. You didn't know that. Okay. I didn't know that. And so the day we were going to go buy the ticket for me to go home, I hadn't been feeling well and I thought I had the flu. And so um, he took me in to see the, uh, a base doctor and found out that I was pregnant. And so he decided that I was not going to go home. He says, we need to make this, we need to make this work done. And so I stayed another three or four weeks and it was apparent that he just didn't want me. And, uh, and I loved him very much. It was decided that I would go ahead and go home. His decision or yours or both at that point? It would be his decision. Mm -hmm. I really loved him and wanted 
to try and make things work. Right. So now he knew that you were you're three or four weeks pregnant, or he knew you were pregnant, and he he still decided it's just not going to work, and he wanted you to go go ahead and come back home. I was about uh, about two months pregnant at that point. Uh-huh. And what were what were his thoughts at that point about what to do with regards to a baby? He didn't have much to say on that point. He said we talked about it. He needed time to think about things. And uh, after I got later, several months later, actually, uh, after you were born, he contacted me and and I wanted to know if I would, or it, I'm trying to remember if it was after you were born or right before you were born, but he wanted to know if I would give you to him. And I wouldn't do that. He didn't want me, but he wanted you. And of course, when I came home, It was a really difficult situation. Sure. Sure. At our house. And Dad ended up insisting I go to an unwed mother's home. In Helena. In Helena. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, that part of it I don't have any trouble understanding what, you know, time period, the attitudes about it, I get it. And he was hoping that they'd be able to talk me into giving you up for adoption because he was worried about his daughter and how it would change my life. But I knew I could never do that. I loved you so much, and I could never do that. And uh, I went, I was almost 20 years old, and I went, and most of the girls there were 14, 15, 16. Right. Teen mothers. And... uh, they didn't care what they did to their, what they took into their bodies while they were pregnant because they didn't really care what happened. They just knew that someone was going to be somebody else's problem, not theirs. Yeah. It was really difficult for me to handle being there. Mm-hmm. So, the grandma came to see me a couple of times. And I told her, I can't stay here. I can't be here when my child is born. It's just too negative. 
I just can't be here. And she has brought me the applications to get into a low-income apartment in Missoula. And uh, I got stayed there until I knew I had an apartment. And then she came and took me shopping to get some things for you. And um, so then when I got an apartment, then she came and got me and, and moved me into the apartment. We didn't say anything to Dad until after I was moved in that I was back. Um, um, while I was after I moved back while I was still expecting um, the people that I had worked for up at the crossroads now were running a different restaurant in Missoula a small, small little older restaurant in Missoula, and they hired me to wait tables for them because when I left, when I left Bonner, the big boss out there called me into his office and asked me to stay and offered me a hundred dollar a month raise if I would stay and um, and not leave. Uh, he offered me a promotion, and I was so. But when I got back, I was too embarrassed to go ask for my job back or ask for a job there. Because you were pregnant? So, because I was pregnant, and I wasn't married, and I knew he was Seventh-day Adventist and pretty strong religiously, and I felt like it probably wouldn't be, he probably wouldn't want me back that I would just have been a disappointment. So, I uh, found out that I guess it was from talking to Rick, his sister-in-law, when I was working for working at this little restaurant that our old bosses had, we're now managing or bought. I don't know which, but and um, so I got on waiting tables there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, um, when I, then I quit waiting tables. It was probably. Uh, when I was about eight months pregnant, maybe six, maybe seven and a half. I don't remember. Um, after the conversation about 
um, would I let him have you? I didn't hear any. We didn't talk to each other anymore. Ever after that? I don't think so. Uh, um, I know when I first came back, Grandpa wanted to call the commanding officer and make him marry me. And I told him he doesn't he doesn't want me. And I just refused to have him do that. He was insisting he was gonna do that and I I told him I won't go. Um He ended up. He did it. As far as I know, I I think he ended up marrying her and bringing her back. But you don't know if, um, he, if he moved back to Missoula. He didn't. He didn't. Uh, so he never. He never after I was born came to see me or. No. No. Asked. Never contacted no. you about that at all. Or. No. And when Lyle and I decided to get married, you know, and he didn't, you know, We checked to see you know uh, he we talked about it, and you know um he wanted me to promise that if we did this you know, that he would always be your dad, that I would never tell him any tell you any different. And I knew it was very important to him. And I didn't think long term. I know it's no excuse, but I'd actually been through quite a bit at that point. No, I, I sure. I like I said, the early years are not really uh Something that I have trouble understanding why you would have done what you did. I, I get it. Uh, it's the later years that I, I'm stuck on. Like I said, it's just there's nothing that we're going to figure out that makes those any more comprehensible. So, uh, no, I'm, but I, I uh, partly was always afraid that it would send you off from trying to create your dream, do the things you were doing to build your life, that it would distract you from that, and you go off. Yeah, well, that's kind of... Doing all these things that would take away from what you were trying to do. Yeah, that's kind of the phase that I feel like I'm at now at a, at a pretty bad time, though. That's the problem, you know. I'm not somebody who just doesn't act on something like this. You know, it's not... His, I, I have to tell you, when his mother died, she died in the mental hospital at Warm Springs. Uh-huh. 
I don't know what was wrong with her, but I know that that's where she was when she passed away. Okay. So his name was what? Rick what? Richard L. Rosa. Richard L. Rosa? Rosa. I, I think it's L. R-O-S-A. R-O-S-A. Is that a Hispanic name? Is he his, Hispanic? No, he's not Hispanic. Okay. So Rosa. I think they're, they're Italian, I think. R-O-S-A. Okay, Richard L. Rosa. And Grandma said she thought his brother was a policeman in Missoula at some point? He, he was a policeman in Missoula Is when that, they were there. I'm trying to remember his brother's name, but I don't remember his name. And that's who you worked with? I remember with. his wife's name. You worked with his... Yvonne. You worked with his wife at... I worked with his wife. Yvonne. But you don't know, you don't remember what his brother's name was. I can't remember. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. No, no, that's. Hey, I'm just I've been on a lot of medicine over the years. So my memory's not as good as I, I'm just me. trying to trying to pick up whatever little bits of information I can, so that you know, obviously, I can start to put some pieces together but and see what I can figure out. I need you to know. I always loved you. I know. That's never been in question. I've never felt that you didn't, and I never felt that anyone else in the family didn't. I've never felt that. I just... They're different issues. There's different issues at play. It's not about love. It's not about whether I was loved enough or taken care of, etc. Whether you did the best you could with what you had, it's not about any of that. There's not, you know... It's not about whether or not I could have had a different life, a better life, uh, whatever. It's, 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 uh, there's something different than that, that, you know, is at play, and, and, uh, that's what I have to... There have been, I have to be honest, there have been times in life where I wondered if I did you a disservice by not giving you up to someone that maybe could have given you a better life. Well, you know, I mean, that's natural. Every time I had those thoughts, I knew that there's no family that would ever love you the way our family loves you. Yeah, it's natural. It's natural to have those, those thoughts throughout life. I get it, but I don't, you know, that's not really what I'm dwelling on at all. I don't, you know, he could have given me up for adoption. I could have had a worse life. I don't know. It doesn't, that's doesn't really, that doesn't matter. Like like you said, the way that you handled your the early part of it, I think you handled as probably as best you could with the, whatever you had, you know, at your disposal. So I, I get it. That that I, that's why I tried to clarify that for you right at the beginning. Is that it's not it's not about pointing fingers. It's not about trying to make you feel bad about you know whatever. You know, we're not living in the same time period. It happened. Uh, it, it it's not. You know. You were, it sounded like you were, you know, in a, in a fairly unfair situation. And you did the best that you could with it. So it's not It's not about that. Um, it's not about shame. It's not about that stuff. That's, that stuff is fairly irrelevant to me. 
you know, it's about, it's just about feeling like there's, uh, you know, a part of my story that's just not, I don't have, and I don't know, you know, and I need to know, and, uh, you know, I mean, even just things like you saying that his mom died in a mental institution, it's pretty, it's pretty good information for a person to have, uh, uh, medically, whether or not I ever had a relationship with them or not is, you know, don't know. Don't know what, what's, what would be the, the next reality for that, but I'll, uh, I'll figure that part of it out, um, and see what I can find and, and what, uh, what makes sense. And, um, I'm so sorry to put you through all this. Well, I know, I know. And, um, uh, I'm not, I'm not at a point where I'm ready to really even deal with the fact that you're sorry about it, honestly. I don't know what, what to say about it. Um, I don't know how best to deal with it, I guess. You know, I mean, obviously you're going to need... You know, obviously Cindy and Grandma know, so you should um, you, know, you should give them a call if you need to talk. I, they're, they're, they, they both are, know that this is coming and know that, uh, you know, that it's going to be a conversation that you probably need to have with them as well, and... Um, you know, like I said, they're not the ones who told me, so you have nothing to be upset with them about. Um, you won't, you won't know who told me, you won't be able to guess, so it doesn't matter. Um, uh, that's not really important anyway. Um, that doesn't make any difference. It doesn't, it doesn't make any difference. I'm grateful the person who told me I've expressed that to them that um, I appreciate the fact that you know the truth is there's somebody that I've gotten to know more through the advent of Facebook and, and gotten to know a wider range of my relatives and their relatives ultimately that don't know you as well and have more of a connection to me than they do to you and feel more of an obligation to me and, and having learned this information felt like it's having heard that it was something that I didn't know they thought that was kind of absurd and, and shared it with me and uh, uh, I'm grateful that they did and, and uh, uh, I'll always be appreciative of that um, you know happened to be my Facebook post about uh, my last year and, and Sean in particular that brought it out of them they felt like I needed to know that I didn't share the same genetics with him and that I'm not going to understand him entirely because we don't have the same background. And, you know, I don't know that that really is what I was saying or if that matters, but whatever the reason was that motivated him to tell me, that's is what it is. So, but um, like I said, Grandma and Cindy are both. Uh, uh, I don't know if Grandma is aware that I was going to talk to you today or what, but they're both aware that we we're going to talk soon, and so. Um, you may want to give them a call when you have a chance. Talk to them. So, and uh, I appreciate you telling me. I know it's not easy, to, certainly, to recount the story. And I appreciate that it was difficult for you to go through. Um, it, that doesn't deal with all of my emotions about the intervening years, but I do appreciate how hard it was for you to talk about. Uh, so... I loved him very much. Uh, I, I want you to know that. You were born out of love. Well, I, yeah, I, 
I, I can appreciate that. I can appreciate that it was not a fair situation for you and that it was difficult for you. That's not something that's hard for me to understand. And, um, so, uh, all right. Well, I, I, I should probably let you go at this point. Um, I'm tired and hungry and uh, I should probably just be able to sit back and try and process things too. So, All right, I love you. I love you. All right. Take it easy. And like I said, give Grandma or Cindy a call. And I'm sure you're going to need to talk to somebody that and talk about something other than just recounting. So um, they would be the ones to talk to. Okay? Just thank you for the, huh? for the way that you handled it with me. I appreciate you able to get your emotions with everything that's just happened with Trump. I appreciate the way that you handled things very much. Thank you. Okay. But don't just, what I'm saying is don't just sit there and, and be sad and upset and by yourself there. I assume that Brian's not there today. He is. Huh? Outside. He's outside. Okay. Uh, but, you know, give them a call. They're going to need to hear from you as well and how you're doing. They're concerned, and they won't call you until they they know. So I'll get a hold of one of them before long and let them know that. So, all right? Are you going to be okay? I'm going to be fine. I, you know, it doesn't, doesn't change that much about who I am. It just changes, you know, where I come from, and, and that's a... You know, that there's some some hurdles for me to deal with now that I'll just have to deal with, and that'll just be something I have to explore, some options and some things that that I'll have to consider and how I go about things. But, uh, you know, I, I, look, it doesn't... It changes, it, it, it changes my history. It doesn't necessarily uh, change who I am. I just explain some things that didn't make sense to me and, and probably should have been more obvious to me further along. I mean, I, you know, I think the more difficult thing now is now having, you know, I'm going to have to have a conversation with Lyle. May, I may call Terry first and find out how best to do that. So I don't know. I don't know when I'll do that either. I don't know if I've got the... That would probably be a good idea to talk to her first. I don't, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do. She might with. be really... I don't worry that as far as I don't either. I don't. Uh, he's lost. He ultimately lost his only his only biological son this year, and uh, I know that he's been he was hit hard by that. And um, you know, it probably makes sense. Um, so I, I don't. He talked about you when he was here, how proud he was of you and all that you were doing, and he was at that time talking about how he might. At that time, he thought he might come out try and spend Christmas with you and the kids because he felt like he'd need to be around the kids, but he obviously didn't do that. Uh, um, I know he loves you and the kids a lot. Yeah, I know. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't anticipate that it changes our relationship that much it's, you know 
It's not like we spend that much time together to begin with. It's uh, So I don't anticipate that it has to change our relationship, but it's something I'm going to have to have a conversation with him about. And I'm not looking forward to that. Uh, I, I'm trying to, I want to be able to do this without being hurtful, but, you know, at this point I also have to move on with my existence, so... So anyway, uh, I'm going to let you go, and uh, take care. And, take uh, care of yourself, okay? Yep. Oh, oh. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks so much, Jeff, for lending me that audio. And just so you know, he started out making a documentary. But he never finished it. So maybe you guys can reach out to him and encourage him to finish it. Um, I just want to plug him. I don't know if he needs it. It might be sold out. But if you're in Southern California, on November 5th, November 5th, it's a Saturday night from 8 p.m. to 1030 at the main in Santa Clarita, California. Jeff Frame is going to be recording a live comedy album. So if you're in Southern California, come out and support a fellow NPE. Um, it'll be great. I will be there, my wife and I. And check it out. You can Google it. You can check him out on Facebook, Jeff Frame. And I will get Jeff on here and interview him and uh, maybe sample some of his stand-up comedy. In the past, has done some comedy about being an NPE, although he did not know that term until he met me. Thank you very much. Don't forget to like the podcast and please i love your reviews even all of them i love your reviews if you could just leave a review it makes it helps so much and please rate the podcast download it follow it all that stuff i'd like to thank my wife as always being my sounding board for all things of this podcast also if you're digging the podcast please pass it along to a friend if you need to get in touch with me contact me on instagram at npe underscore life underscore podcast. My name is Don Anderson. I'm the host of Missing Pieces. The music on today's episode was provided by Billy Sullivan of Sully Stone Music. Thanks for listening.